Amen. I'll ask you please to turn on God's Word to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, and we'll commence at verse 1, and we'll read down to the end of the chapter together. Jonah chapter 2, commencing our reading at verse 1. And the Word of God says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord has gone out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within, within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Amen. And may the Lord be pleased to speak to us through the reading of his holy and his precious word this morning. Amen. As we take our seats, let us turn to the portion of Scripture that was read just a little earlier. The prophecy of Jonah and the chapter 2. Jonah and the chapter 2. I want to thank our brother for leading the first part of the meeting. He has already been busily engaged in the Lord's work uh, this morning. He was speaking in the Bible class and also in the Sabbath school. And we appreciate him leading the service here this morning. And looking forward uh, to hearing our brother minister in the gospel this evening. As we come to Jonah chapter 2, I would like to take as my text this morning the words of verse 9. Jonah 2 and the verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And particularly those last words in verse 9, where Jonah says, salvation is of the Lord. Let us unite our hearts together in a brief word of prayer. Our eternal God and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for Thy presence with us already in our gathering. And we thank Thee, our Father, for help that has been given and we pray that even now, as we would come to concentrate our thoughts and to focus our hearts 
upon thy precious word, that thou wouldst draw near to each one, and grant our Father that the Holy Spirit of God himself would apply the word to each and to every heart. We're looking to thee, O God, conscious of our great need. We would say with the psalmist, we are poor and needy, and yet thou dost think upon us. Look upon us, O God, in favor and in blessing, and in everything that would be said, may it be with a single eye to the glory and praise of the Savior's great name. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. I came across a very simple outline for verse 9 that I want to use by way of introduction to the message. And if you look with me there at verse 9, you will notice the voice of Jonah. He said, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. And so Jonah was going to use his voice to give thanks and praise unto the Lord. And when you think about it, Jonah had certainly much to thank the Lord for. Jonah had sinned against the Lord. He had rebelled against God's will. He had run away from that which the Lord had commanded him to do. In fact, he had gone in the very opposite direction, seeking to get away from the Lord. But God, in mercy, heard the prayer of Jonah and delivered him, even though he was undeserving. And now, therefore, Jonah must give thanks unto God, and he will sacrifice unto the Lord with the voice the voice of thanksgiving. But you notice there not only the voice of Jonah in verse 9, but there's the vow of Jonah. He goes on to say, I will pay that that I have vowed. And having been restored unto the Lord, Jonah now desires to fulfill the vows that he had made as a prophet of the Lord. And he wants to fulfill those vows, and he now wants to do God's will. And so having used his voice in thanksgiving to the Lord, he now comes to fulfill his vows before the Lord. And then also in verse 9, those words at the end of the verse that we use as the title for the message this morning, you come to the verdict of Jonah. Here's Jonah's verdict concerning everything that has happened. And he comes to this conclusion. He says, salvation is of the Lord. And they're tremendous words. Salvation is of the Lord. And whenever Jonah considers all that he has been through, and how the Lord has been merciful and gracious to him. The Lord has preserved him, and the Lord has lifted him up uh, from out of the depths of the sea, yea, out of the depths of despair, out of the belly of the fish, and out of the belly of hell, as Jonah described it. And therefore, he must come to this conclusion, and he must give this verdict. And he says, salvation 
is of the Lord. Then in verse 10, you notice the vomiting. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and did vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. Mr. Spurgeon said that that great fish must have been an Arminian. Because as soon as, as soon as Jonah uttered the words, salvation is of the Lord, the fish vomited Jonah out upon the dry ground. But on a serious note, Mr. Spurgeon also said, this is one of the grandest utterances any man ever made. One of the grandest utterances any man ever made. Salvation is of the Lord. That's a truth that the world does not like. That's a truth that some of God's people do not like. And the word salvation there in verse 9 is in an emphatic form. And therefore, it's a very strong word. And while Jonah may have been using it to relate to his deliverance and his deliverance physically and literally, yet that word would also encompass our spiritual salvation. And when we think of what the Lord has done spiritually in saving our souls, we would say with Scripture, the Lord is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And therefore, we say today, salvation is of the Lord. That's the key truth that is being taught to us here. The sovereignty of God in salvation he is the author of our salvation. The Lord planned it all, and it is based and grounded upon his love. And the Lord accomplished our salvation, and he had the power uh, to do that, and he has made that provision for the sinner. And the Lord applies the work of salvation to our hearts the regeneration of the heart and drawing us to close in with the Lord. And therefore, when we think about our salvation today, we have to think about God's sovereignty. What a great truth to dwell upon, the sovereignty of God in salvation. I was reading about the Jewish observance of Yom Kippur, and that's the Jews' acknowledging and marking the Day of Atonement. And whenever they come to mark that Day of Atonement, and in our calendar it falls around September or October every year, and it takes place over a two-day but a 24-hour period. And that Yom Kippur is considered to be the holiest day in the Jewish calendar, and they will do certain things in that particular period. There'll be fasting, and there'll be praying, and there'll be repenting. And in that celebration of the Day of Atonement, they're desiring to remember in their observance certain themes. They'll think about mercy the mercy of God. They will think about the need for repentance, repentance from sin. 
They will think about how God answers prayer. And in their observance, they will also mark the sovereignty of God. And whenever you think about those particular themes for that observance on the Day of Atonement, we find that those themes run through the book of Jonah. And I discovered that it is tradition in the observance of Yom Kippur that the book of Jonah is actually read. And the reason it is read is because uh, there's the theme of mercy and there's the theme of repentance from sin and God answering prayer and through it all the sovereignty of God. And so Jonah containing these particular themes and messages, we can see there's a major message from the minor prophet, the sovereignty of God. And that runs not only through the book of Jonah, that runs right through the Bible. And Jonah, as he declares these words, we would say it's not just a statement from Jonah. It is a triumphal declaration when he says salvation is of the Lord. And as we dwell upon those words for just a few moments together, we think about the sovereignty of God in salvation. And firstly, we think about God's plan to save. God's plan to save. You can see that illustrated to us here in the experience of Jonah. God had that plan to deliver Jonah. Oh, the Lord had called him, and the Lord had commissioned him as a prophet and instructed him to go to Nineveh. But as Jonah rebels against the Lord and goes in the opposite direction, the Lord could have let him go. The Lord could have just cast Jonah off. And we would say, deservedly so. But the Lord in mercy and in grace he chose to deliver Jonah and he chose to rescue Jonah. And in everything that happened to Jonah, he could trace the hand of the Lord in it. Jonah himself would have expected to perish in the deep and then he finds himself in the belly of the great fish and he will realize here the Lord has a plan to deliver him. The Lord is going to miraculously save him. He remains in the belly of that great fish for three days and three nights. He prays unto the Lord. He cries unto the Lord. In answer to prayer, the Lord directs that great fish and it vomits out Jonah upon the dry ground. Never, be, never would Jonah have thought he would ever uh, see dry ground again. But the Lord had that plan to deliver Jonah. And Jonah, when he reflects upon it, he will willingly and readily testify. And he will say to us, salvation is of the Lord. It's the Lord alone who has delivered me. It's the work of God alone. It's the mercy of God that Jonah was saved. And he will say to us his salvation from beginning to end. It was off the Lord. 
And so too, with our salvation, from beginning to end, it's off the Lord. God had the plan from before the world began. A great plan for man's redemption. The Savior is spoken of in the Bible as being the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. My, it's hard for us to take it in that God had that plan for man's salvation. Yet whenever you read certain portions in God's Word, it, it makes that abundantly clear. God had a plan to save I thought about Romans 8. In Romans chapter 8, the verses 29 and 30. And the Apostle said to the Romans, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And when you read those words, you can see that God had a plan for man's salvation. We come to the same conclusion as Jonah. We come to the same verdict, and we say salvation is of the Lord. The Lord had the foreknowledge. We read of the Lord's predestination. We read of the Lord calling, calling a people unto himself, the people being justified, and then they're going to be glorified. My God has a plan. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the verses 13 and 14. And Paul said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. You see, that was God's plan. He has chosen you to salvation. That's the truth that Paul was underlining here to the Thessalonians that's the word that we're reading straight out of Scripture. He has chosen you to salvation. The verse 14 of that chapter, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you could not read the Bible. And you could not read verses like this in the Bible without coming to the same verdict as Jonah. Salvation is of the Lord, chosen you to salvation. That was a way back in eternity past. That was before creation, before uh, the world began. It's so difficult for our finite minds to take in that great truth of God's foreknowledge, of God's predestination, of God's election, that he had chosen us to salvation. And then in time, and we live in time, he has called us. And he has called us by the gospel or through the gospel. 
And the Holy Spirit of God taking up the word and the message of the gospel and bringing it with power to our hearts, we who were chosen in eternity past, the Lord now calls us and he draws us onto himself. God has a plan. God's plan to save. We say salvation is off the Lord. But secondly, I want you to think about God's power to save. And again, we see that demonstrated in the experience of Jonah because through the book of Jonah, and we've seen it already, God was bringing everything under his control. And God was working out all things to conform to his plan. And as Jonah prayed here in Jonah chapter 2, he was acknowledging that. And he was seeing how in the experiences that he was going through in his life at this time, he could see God's hand in his life. And he could see how the Lord was working out all things according to his sovereign power. That was clear to Jonah. God's power. If you look there in chapter 2 at the verse 3, and here Jonah is praying to the Lord, and he said to the Lord, For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all thy billows, and thy waves passed over me. I want you to notice a detail there in the prayer of Jonah in verse 3. He said of the Lord, for thou hadst cast me into the deep. Now, if we'd have been speaking to Jonah, we may have said, but, but Jonah, was it not the sailors? Was it not those on board that ship? And they took you up, Jonah, and they cast you into the deep. Jonah would say, no, it was the Lord. And he said that here in his prayer. He's speaking to the Lord, and he said, for thou has cast me into the deep. It was the Lord. And you look towards the end of verse 3 there, and you mark those possessive pronouns. They're in the second person singular. And Jonah here speaks about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And again, if we were to speak to Jonah, we would say, Jonah, was it not just the storm? It was causing the sea to be so boisterous. Was it not just the elements? Was it not just nature? Nature was at work here, Jonah. The waves and the billows and the sea. Jonah would say, no. The Lord has caused every wave. The Lord has caused every billow. The Lord was the power behind it all. And Jonah will say, they're the Lord's billows. And they're the Lord's waves. This was a truth that came forcefully to the heart of Jonah. And it actually was something that encouraged him to persevere. It encouraged him to go on in the face of great adversity. And he's realizing here with all that he has experienced and the floods 
compassing him about, and the great fish swallowing him, and him being in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, he comes to this conclusion, and he said, it was all of the Lord. Even the billows and the waves, God sent them. Child of God, that's a good truth for us to consider. Sometimes the storms come into our lives, and God knows all about them. In fact, we could say, as we read here in Jonah chapter 2, that the Lord has allowed them. We could go even further and say, the Lord has sent them. And we must understand that God, in doing that, has his purpose. And he has his reason, and he has his sovereign plan, and it is God's power that is behind it all. And that can be difficult at times for, for us to accept and to take in, and things that we would go through. Tuesday night past in the prayer meeting, I was speaking from Ephesians 5 about being filled with the Spirit. One of the proofs of being filled with the Spirit was being thankful, thankful. And it's easy to be thankful to the Lord in our prayers and in our supplication when everything is going well for us. But the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesians, being thankful always, always. He went even further than that. He says, giving thanks always for all things, for all things. Not easy. We don't know at times why the storm will come and why the billows and the waves will encompass us about, but we have to see there's a higher hand in things here. That's why the psalmist could come to that point in Psalm 34 and the verse 1 where he said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And that includes the time when we're going through the storm. That includes the time when the billows come upon us, when the waves would be crashing against us. Perhaps like Jonah the Lord has sent them to correct us, to draw us back to himself. Or it could be a storm of perfection where the Lord is going to use that storm to further work upon our hearts and lives, to strengthen us and to encourage us and to conform us more and more to the image of our dear Savior. But either way, if it's a storm of correction or a storm of perfection, there must be the recognition that it's the mighty hand of God. And salvation is of the Lord. John Calvin said concerning this truth, when this conviction is really and thoroughly fixed in our hearts, then true religion cannot be easily lost by us. And oh, may this great truth, this wonderful truth, be fixed in our hearts today. 
that we would acknowledge the power of God in salvation and for us uh, that spiritual salvation, that deliverance that we have experienced, it comes about by the power of God. When our hearts are regenerated, when our hearts are quickened, that's by the power of God the Holy Spirit. When the life is changed and the life is transformed, that's by the power of Almighty God. Thank God the Lord has that power to save and the Lord is able to save. The apostle said in Hebrews 7 and the verse 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The Lord is able to save. The Lord is mighty to save. We see here before us in Jonah, as we think about that truth, salvation is of the Lord, God's plan to save and God's power to save. But thirdly, I want you to think about God's promise to save. And we can see that through many verses in the Bible, but I would look particularly at the Gospel of John. You see, it is possible to see the promise of God to save in the Bible, and that's very important because you could have a plan to save and you could have the power to save, but it's another thing to actually execute that plan and put that plan into action. And the Lord promises to do exactly that in His precious Word. Scriptures, for example, like John chapter 6, the verse 37, and the Savior himself there says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And he's speaking there about a people, a people who have been given by the Father to the Son. That's those chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, a people given by the Father to the Son and the Savior in the midst here of John chapter 6 of those who were rejecting him and failing to believe upon him. The Lord says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. They shall come. That's a promise of the Lord to save. They shall come. The plan will be put into operation and it will be executed by the power of God according to his promise. In John's Gospel, the chapter 10, and there it is the verse 16, and again the words of the Savior. And the Savior said, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, when the Lord was referring there to other sheep, he was speaking about the Gentiles. That takes in you and me. He was saying that it wasn't just for the Jewish people. No, that God's salvation uh, would be for the Gentiles as well. And so the Lord said in John 10 and verse 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. And then mark these words, Them also I must bring, and they shall hear 
my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And the people that the Lord is referring to here, these other sheep, he says, I must bring them. He must bring them. And he says, they shall hear my voice. They're going to be brought into the fold. There's going to be one fold. There's going to be one shepherd. It's the promise of the Lord to save. In John chapter 15 and the verse 16, the Lord said, Ye have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And here again you can see the promise of the Lord. We have not chosen him, but rather the Lord has chosen us. And the Lord in choosing us will call us on to himself, will draw us to himself by the power of his Spirit. It's the promise of the Lord to save. What a chapter John chapter 17 is. Just to take there the verse 9, and the Lord has got uh, his people in mind here. And he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And again, it's speaking about that people that have been given by the Father to the Son. And the Savior is saying, I pray for them. Them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Then look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture may be fulfilled. None of them is lost. You see, that's the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ, that his people will be saved. It's a definite promise for a definite people. The sovereignty of God in salvation. That salvation is of the Lord. And I'm emphasizing this morning the sovereignty of God in salvation and God's plan and God's power and God's promise to save. Right from beginning to end, it's all of the Lord. But you know all Jonah could do? All Jonah could do was pray. All Jonah could do was to cry to the Lord. Jonah could do nothing else except call upon the Lord. He couldn't do anything to save himself. And that's the same when it comes to our salvation. The sinner can do nothing to save himself. All they can do is just cry to God for mercy. But what a promise there is in Romans 10 and the verse 13. The word of God says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's sovereignty. But what's man's responsibility? 
It's just simply to call, to call upon the name of the Lord. That little verse that I quoted a moment or two ago from John chapter 6 and the verse 37, I only quoted the first part of it. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And the next part of the verse says, And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There's a responsibility to call. And there's a responsibility to come to the Lord. And today, if you're here gathered or you listen online and you're not saved, we encourage you today to call upon the name of the Lord and to come by faith to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts.